Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, welcome in Reno. Vegas has been here. You can listen to the entire show every day at lvsportsnetwork.com, but we appreciate ESPN Reno being with us. Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, is hosting the show. Nevada, Nevada. Angels here as well. Silver Sevens is the spot. We're getting ready for Niners and Seahawks. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We always start out 4 o'clock hour with the big four at four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. Uh, I've come to learn on the show uh, the majority of the company just don't have great taste. Uh, no one else aside from myself is watching Yellowstone. That changed today, Steve. I'm yes. a part of the company today, and I'm an <laughs> avid Yellowstone watcher. And you binged it. I binged it. So I, I caught all the way up season four before season five finished. I don't know that season no, five No five finished. spoilers yet. No five spoilers. So okay. I, won't, I won't spoil anything from five, but I fell in love with Yellowstone. And it, I almost want to become a rancher well, cause, now. Because you're a man's man. We just talked uh, last yeah. hour about how you and I are really good at doing man's man's. Act. No, we're not. We're not. We're not at all. <laughs> which is actually one of the things that I'm always fascinated by. Yeah. In Yellowstone, because I'm like I can't do any of that. And I also the other thing I want to call bullcrap on are people around the country who I know watch Yellowstone, and I think like they have this thing in them. And they're like, ah, I I could be just like that. No, you couldn't. No, no, no you couldn't. No. If you could. You would. You're not a rancher. You're not freaking <laughs> tying up cattle and body slamming them. You're not you know, shooting. Well, oh, I almost gave something away from, from season five. Um, you're not well, doing any of that. Well, shooting is it happens every season. Well, so. I was going to mention a specific shooting, <laughs> oh. but, so I won't spoil oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. don't spoil it. Yeah. But I, So it is the reason that I – maybe part of the reason that I enjoy it so much is because I can imagine and live vicariously through people who can do things that I can't do. And I think that's part of the draw of watching the show. I know I can't. And I, I just appreciate watching somebody else who does it or understanding or learning about the lifestyle of somebody who does. And it's it's fascinating. Best and I, I feel bad. Best character on the show. Rip, hands down. Yep. Give Imme- him the immediate, ranch. Immediately my answer, I would work for Rip. Oh, 100%. Um, I don't, you know what? If I do a bad job, I don't, I don't mind getting just beat up by the boss. Like, if, like honestly, if Q, Q Myers is our boss, if Q, like, every six months was like, bruh, and just punch me in the face, <laughs> kick me on the ground a couple of times. <laughs> Because Rip does that to, like, one of his most loyal workers. And friends. Like, they're, yes. they're like, like he mentored him. And he, he's like, no mercy. Just beats the snot out of him. So, <laughs> you know, suggestion if I have, uh, well, actually, I guess it would be Q for the new year. Uh, if you can install anything Q, uh, you know, just lighten, up, lighten an employee up. I, you got my permission. You can punch if, me. If you're going to fight, this is, this is the new saying. If you're going to fight somebody, fight me. Yeah. That's, that's, that's oh, the that was saying. it. That's that right, Rip. Yeah. Okay. Worst character on the show, because I think I'm going to surprise you on this one. This is sad, but I'm going to say Casey's kid. I swear that's my number two choice. Why Why don't you like him? First of all, the acting's terrible. The, the, acting, the acting is The awful. acting is terrible. Yep. Uh, from him and, yeah. and from others, but he's, he's one of those that... Secondly, his character's useless other than to make other people feel bad about him yeah like i like he doesn't drive any there's no narrative that he drives it's all about somebody like his role is to complicate things for other people and it's the most annoying thing i i i don't it actually it, it is a show that i'm not gonna say i hate watch it but the acting from some of them is so bad that it makes kevin costner look like the best thing and he's a good actor the best thing we've ever had in acting yeah because they're 
There are scenes where I watch like Jamie, his son, and I'm like, how do they put these two in the in the same scene? Yeah. But I'm going to give you the person that I have grown to hate, and I think it's going to be a big upset. Who's that? Beth is intolerable. I liked her at the beginning, and yeah, she's got nice cans, and they're they're bouncing and flopping. It's good. <laughs> she's a warrior. Some of the stuff that happens to her is amazing, but they're starting to drag like the character. Yeah. Out way too much I, by I think, Kelly Riley. God love her. Like I said, attractive woman. You know, she's problem, a badass, but lordy. The problem with her character for me is that she hasn't evolved. It's you know, well, three, I, four think I think they're feeding the beast. Yeah, it's like it's like she's she's been the same. There's no character development to say, okay, she started off. This is who she was. This is why yeah. this was the issue. She resolved it. Now she's bigger and a better person. Yes, the bigger no. and better person hasn't she, happened. And the other thing is, <laughs> there, there is a saint. In cowboy boots, Rip dealing with her is amazing. Just dragging him like he's he's taller. He's encouraging this behavior from you in in real life, women. You should not be uh, rewarded. I'm 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 gonna say this. Pull a Jerry Sullivan from Buffalo here. Be very careful. You should not very be rewarded. Warmer. We should not reward women or men in society who treat others that way with the good men or women as spouses. That's what this show is enforcing. Rip is the best thing going for her in her life, and she's dragging him through the mud constantly. And she will give him a break. My goodness. Not just that, but then this was when I really got off the Beth wagon. She blew up. And this may be a spoiler for some that haven't watched it. Newsflash. There's an explosion at her office building that she somehow walks out of and smokes a cigarette on the curb. That was kind of cool. I actually. can't. It was boss. It was awesome. Yeah. But really? She exploded. The character should have been written off immediately. Ooh. It's over. She should. Why can't you kill it? Game of Thrones kills her off. I'm just going to say that. Oh, Beth is gone in yeah, season Beth one. Yeah, Beth is gone for sure. It's probably at a wedding. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always, always where it seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Either either poisoned or just outright stabbed. Yeah. So so when you're I, not looking. So I the Beth character it just it's run its course. And I just, I don't see how they're going to get out of it because now I'm in a conflict because I love Rip and I don't want Rip to have to go through the heartbreak of losing Beth. Oh God! But yeah. Can you imagine? That finished me. Yeah. And in, in the show, then that's over. Number three. Let's continue on this. The NCAA hired a new president. Now we're not going to continue on that at all. Um, <laughs> Charlie Baker. Who, you know, if you're not from the Northeast, you're probably not aware of him. Um, he's being brought in to take over for Mark Emmert, who really struggled down the stretch and was basically threw his hands up. He's like, I don't know what to do. We're going to get sued over everything we try to do. Well, this guy's got a vast legal background, a Harvard and Northwestern grad, played basketball. He's 66 years old, and he's expected to, he was a choice because they're going to have a lot of legal issues to deal with as they try to come up with some parameters for NIL and transfers, and there, there's a lot at hand here. Yeah, there's a lot, and I think that that's what worries me about it um, because there's so many angles with the NIL and the NCAA as a player basically being forced to, it, it would seem like it's the direction is going to pay players, um, which would then kind of cancel out some of the NIL strides because – there's the employee-employer relationship now that has to be honored. And then as an employer, the NCAA can say, hey, you can't now use your name and image and likeness as much as you have been over the past couple of years in the wild west of the NIL. Um, so I, what I see this as being now the NCAA is going to turn into a game of legislation. It's going to be regulation versus deregulation. It's going to be states' rights, again, at the forefront. 
which is going to turn into the business industry as we know it in the open market. It's going to be the constant battle between big corporations like the Alabamas of the world or the Power Fives of the world versus the little guys who need small business loans just to stay afloat. That's what college football looks like it's going to turn into. The discussions and the laws and the rules and regulations are going to just turn into a battleground again. And I kind of was enjoying the Wild West of the NIL for the last couple of years where it's like there are, there are no rules. But now they're, they're reining it in. And the NCAA is going to reassert themselves as what would be kind of the, 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 the end-all, be-all, the, the final boss of what you're allowed to do in college sports. And maybe some order is in order, but I, I kind of enjoyed the chaos for a couple seasons. Number two. The voice of Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, part of that uh, broadcast team and uh, host of the Football Coaches Show. Florida, Oregon State. I'm completely fascinated to see what happens with the crowd. Oregon State is going to turn out thousands and thousands. I wonder what a 6-6 six and six Florida fan base is going to do. The SEC doesn't get to come west very often. It's Vegas, so it's completely different. The carrot is there. I wonder how this game does at the box office. It's going to be interesting and because I think Florida, while they haven't been dominant as they were in the, pla- the past, you know, the Fuller Gator football with Tebow and Urban Meyer and all that, the success that they had, national championship conversation is what that fan base is accustomed to. It's amazing to look at their disposition over a 6-6 six and six season and a bowl game compared to what the disposition of, say, UNLV would be. Or if you even look up in the Northeast at UConn and what the excitement in that community is over 6-6 six and six bowl game versus Florida. You're not just going to get them excited about a bowl game in Vegas. Like, it's like, okay, it's still a mediocre season for what we're used to as a fan base. Like, we're supposed to be competing for the CFP. Like, we're supposed to be in the playoffs. So, for them, that's not the draw. But for Oregon State, it may be. Like, they're not traditionally a very successful program. The, how does that fill up Allegiant? How does that, like, how do fans travel for that? Especially talking about Florida coming all the way across the country. Is it big enough to be a 6-6 six and six Florida team? And on top of that, your quarterback's bouncing. Like he, the, one of the the main ticket sale drivers, it, whether people want to admit it or not, as, a, as the product on the field is going to the NFL draft. He's not even going to be there. I, what kind of draw does the Florida fan base have? That's what you're worried about. Oregon State, I think, comes and shows up, but can they fill up a legion by themselves? And then, how much of our local fans, the fans that are just in town, not necessarily Oregon State or Florida fans, but just want to go see a football game? How much are those fans going to be driven to go out to Allegiant Stadium? It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Number one. So I like splitting the NFL season up into quarters, and every quarter is a little bit different in terms of the storylines, right? Last quarter, going into it, probably the best story was the Dolphins mm-hmm. and the great start and the quirky Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill putting up record numbers and Tua. That was the story. Tua, hey, he's finally showing it. I think down the stretch here, there's a lot of great stories, but one of the biggest ones to track, especially if it continues to go up, are the Lions and Dan Campbell. Yeah. We all fell in love with him during the up-downs on Hard Knocks, and we realized he was a player's coach. He's a guy I'd want to play for. His terrible ashy pants analogy, the dust on the pants, they are finally getting rid of that dust here. <laughs> to close out the fourth quarter of the season and in contention, seriously, for the playoffs. I mean, it's a feel-good story. And for, could be dangerous in the playoffs because if their offense continues to click, they're a challenge. Absolutely. Jared Goff has quietly had a Pro Bowl caliber season at quarterback. 
their offense puts up points. Now, the defense allows just a little bit more points, and that's why the wins and losses aren't really adding up. But they get in the playoffs? I don't think anybody in the NFC right now shouldn't respect them. It shouldn't. It's not going to be a walk in the park with a team that could put up 28 points a game. Like, they can do that. So that's always going to be scary. Imagine the Lions get in the playoff and make some serious noise. Like, and what would serious noise be for the Lions? Just get out the first round, right? Like, but I, I mean, that would be a feel-good story for footballers everywhere. To see Dan Campbell and his terrible sports stories in team meetings get in the playoffs in a hard knocks year. Oh my! Do, do they do a sequel like right back to back? Does he get hard knocks in year two like right away? Can they do that? I like the Jared Goff story too. Thirty-three hundred and fifty yards, twenty-two touchdowns, seven interceptions. Solid, better than he's been the last couple of years. This is a discussion I'm going to can, you know start today and continue tomorrow. You know the bridge quarterback is going to be a big story in the off season. Hmm. Who who has a brighter future next year as the bridge quarterback? You know taking over and leading to a young guy. Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, or Sam Darnold? Mm, that is a tough one. I think I think I think Jared Goff could actually have success as the bridge guy and he's shown that. I think Sam Darnold's in a better spot to actually make something of it. I don't think I think the bridge is a lot longer for for the Rams. So I think Baker Mayfield's actually in the worst spot because they're going to have to go through a big time rebuild when all the old names he, that by the they way, have are gone. You know, we'll continue on this. I don't know that Baker Mayfield is with the Rams. By the way, it, I keep saying by the way, if Baker Mayfield has a, a, a strong close, there's going to be a lot of interest in him. Yeah. In I don't know maybe the the second go round for him. I don't know that he is a bridge. We'll debate that. Discuss it on the way back. Cofield and Company. I like that Micah Parsons has came out and said what time it is. Now, I've seen him kind of backtrack it. Don't backtrack it. You don't need to, man. This is a division rival. I don't need to like you. I'm trying to beat your head in to the white meat. Like, I'm trying to sack you multiple times. I'm trying to punish you. Like, yeah, y'all ran at me, but fine. Like, I'm going to start trash talking. It's okay. Isn't this what we want to see in sports? It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. We'll get to Micah Parsons smearing the good name of uh, Jalen Hurts. Not really, but we'll get to that. Jay Will, Jason Williams, formerly uh, Duke, Duke, a little bit of NBA, uh, until he ran into uh, some bad luck from an injury standpoint. Uh, former Duke player hosting with uh, Key and Max, our super early morning show on ESPN National. Caleb Herring is here. It's Cofield Silver Sevens. We're going to get uh, leans and likes for tonight's Thursday night football game from Brad Powers in about 25 minutes. I swear, every time I go to break, I see 12 more things I want to speak about. <laughs> um, so I want to do a little more Bobby Petrino. So I'm sure the people up north in Reno are like, what did UNLV just do? And you can look at it like that's a disaster or, oh, boy, that could be a really good move. But we were just talking about bridge quarterbacks in the NFL. There's probably 10 or 12 teams that might need a bridge quarterback next year, either because they can't draft the next guy, mm-hmm. they've got injury issues with the current guy, or they are going to draft a guy, and that guy may not be ready because he could be a second or third round pick. So bridge quarterbacks could include our own Derek Carr, mm-hmm. right? They could choose to move on, which means that Derek could be a bridge somewhere, and the Raiders might need a bridge. The Rams may need a bridge quarterback it's the guy to get to the next guy because Stafford I don't know if Stafford's coming back he's got a serious back injury maybe he's done maybe he just doesn't says hey I don't have the passion for it anymore and uh, Cowherd actually started this discussion the other day and 
Uh, he does the best show in the country. You can hear that over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And now part of this was Colin. It was a Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold comparison as a bridge quarterback. And I never even thought of them in the same class. But you have to realize Colin genuflected at the knees of Sam Darnold when he was at USC and into his NFL career. So I think he's trying to resurrect right. Darnold. Darnold, his case was, Darnold's 2-0? and Okay. He's 2-0 at <laughs> the start of this year. Like, he's back! Yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't know that he is. I don't know that the great comeback last week brings Baker Mayfield back. Um, I'm sure both guys are looked at like, hey, they were top five picks for a reason. But I just threw out to Caleb, bridge quarterback that you'd want. Right? Let's say Mayfield is really good. And for the Rams the rest of the way. And won't sign for like two years and $6 million. Like he can get 12 mil for a couple of years to be the bridge quarterback. Same as Darnold. Same as Goff. I don't think they're all the same. Right. My pecking order would be Goff one, Baker two, and Sam Darnold a distant three. I I would agree with it. I think I would make maybe Baker and Darnold will be closer in my in my opinion. Uh, for not just X and O talent-wise in between lines, but just I don't like what Baker Mayfield has become in the NFL from a distraction to teams standpoint. And I don't want whoever my next quarterback is being influenced or having to clean up that mess from Baker Mayfield, if that, if that at all makes sense. And it also depends on what kind of bridge I'm building to get to my next quarterback. Uh, there's some franchises that are on a, tank, on a tanking bridge where it's like, hey, the bridge is really designed to collapse in the ocean, and we don't want you to get to the other side. We want to to tank to have a better draft pick, um, to go for a number one caliber draft pick, and that's going to be the next guy. And in that case, I would take Baker Mayfield hands down. But if I'm a team that's looking to sort of ease uh, the, the air apparent to my starting quarterback position, Jared Goff is my guy. Like, if I got the availability at a draft pick to go after a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whatever the case may be, knowing that I don't want to start them immediately, uh, maybe give them a year or two in, in a sort of Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith role, um, then I'm going Jared Goff because my team can still thrive. I can still attract free agents with Jared Goff, win some games, have some job security as a coach, knowing that I'm, I'm going to do all right. Um and then I'll, I'll go from there and let my veteran kind of mold him and help him along the way into becoming a professional. So Jared Goff, to me, would be number one on that list of three, regardless of, of what I was trying to do. Um, I, I'm just not – I've developed uh, – I don't want to say I don't like the guy because I don't know him, but I'm not a fan of Baker Mayfield. And, and the way things ended in Cleveland, uh, kind of his attitude in, in Carolina even, um, and then let, let's, let's pump the brakes on what was – a comeback drive that that Baker Mayfield is getting credited for. Uh, the Raiders laid an egg to give that game away. Uh, he was aided by two major penalties and a terrible defensive coverage call uh, that made him the hero of a game. I I if you want to, I get it. The quarterback gets credit, but let's settle down on Baker Mayfield's resurgence. Uh, he's not that guy. The rest of the he game seemed very indicated. humble. He's learned his lesson. No, I. This this is why this is the worst thing for him, because now <laughs> he's going to be able to say whether he says it publicly or not. In his mind, I was never the problem. Yeah. In Cleveland, I was. See, I was never the problem. And he's enjoying this in L.A. He's been a distraction in small market teams. Like Cleveland ain't a huge, massive market where everybody's looking at you. Imagine Baker being Baker in L.A. 
like primetime slots all over the place hollywood like what what kind of animal are we creating here i think baker needs to figure some he needs to be humbled by holding the clipboard for a couple of years before i'm willing to trust him with the keys to a franchise again so fascinated around the nfl would love to get gms off the record in both detroit and seattle because they're sitting with, what, six and seven wins, respectively. I think the Seattle's got seven. Rams mm-hmm. or Lions have six. Mm-hmm. This could not have been the plan. No. Like, they both loaded up on draft picks, moved off their quarterback. They were ready to draft a quarterback this year, and neither will be in a position unless they move up. It's like, oops. Well, actually, the Lions will be because they have the Rams pick. That's true. And Seattle does have Denver's pick. So I <laughs> so guess. Works out in well, the I mean, end. <laughs> I guess it kind of does. You figured their pick was going to be the worst pick. Um, but just, so, you know, I just wanted to point out to people if there are people out there who are like, why would the Lions move off of Jared Goff? They have an out now. So he's got two years left on his deal for about $25 million a year, which is not awful. Now that quarterback's are making 45. Right, with the like, way could the market they keep, moved. Yeah. Could, they just, could he just be the bridge where he's at? Right. Maybe. Possibly, and then and that's again the same situation with Derek Carr. Going back to the Raiders, just briefly, he doesn't have to leave to be the bridge guy. He has a team friendly contract right now, so he could turn into the bridge guy for the Raiders if if that's the direction they want to go. If they if they're really considering getting off of him as the guy for the Raiders, so it is a very realistic situation that D- that Jared Goff becomes a bridge guy. How how what that pick turns into from the Rams is going to be interesting and how they decide to use it. Because there is a school of thought that says, you know, Jared Goff's not a dinosaur. He's not old. He's 28. So, yeah, so he's, he's got time left. Are they – is Dan Campbell and his staff, if they pull off a playoff run here, do they have the confidence in Jared to say he is the guy going forward and restructure his contract to make him paid with the elite quarterbacks or what have you? Because if he gets the line I – mean, he'll be a hero in Detroit, that's for sure. Like if he makes a deep playoff run – with the Lions, and it's been how long since they've done that? He's going to be a legend in Detroit. So does he become the guy? There's, there's still that chance, right, for Jared Goff? And I, think it's a little bit of, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. And we'll have to see if this is a uh, situation where it's the OC that has really brought him back and if that guy Ben Johnson gets a job elsewhere. Looking, I just wanted to look up a mock draft to get all these you know picks that moved uh, correctly. It really is incredible. Seattle trades away Russell Wilson, hey, we're going to get a quarterback because we're going to suck. That was That's what I thought. Well, they don't suck, but Denver does. Yeah. So right now in a mock draft, one I'm looking at, uh, number two pick, Will Levis, quarterback to Seattle. So they could get their quarterback if they, if, they're, uh, you know, if they continue to get just dreadful play from the Broncos. Uh, right now, the Rams pick would have the Lions sitting at number four. Uh, they have uh, th- this uh, mock draft. It's actually CBS Sports has Jalen Carter, defensive lineman from Georgia, going at four, but they'd have the chance to take C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and that would lend itself to the conversation we've had before. Do you need an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl? So, this is so nuts the way this has worked, and this is why the NFL is friggin' great. The other thing that I truly believed was happening with stockpiling of picks was, listen, we're going to get them weapons, but we're still hesitant on if this is the guy. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. And he may be the MVP – and remember, the that Eagles stocked year. up on picks. <laughs> right now they have the number five pick because they yeah. made a deal with the Saints. The Saints suck. They weren't supposed to suck. And now they could have more weapons added to Philly. It, it, 
Holy moly. It's, 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 it's why we love it. It's why there's so many storylines. It's the gift that keeps on giving with the NFL storylines that could pop up. Imagine, like, if they go D-Lyman, talking about the Lions, if they go D-Lyman, that would be, one, saying that they trust Jared Goff to be the quarterback to get it done. Not the best quarterback, but he can get it done. He can get them over the hump. But that would be two drafts back-to-back that they build up the defensive line in Detroit, building one of the most elite defensive line uh, in, in the NFL with, with what they did with the draft this year with, with Hutchinson, uh, which would be awesome. Like, you build a team instead of going after the home run hit at quarterback. That would be my motto. Like, I have a serviceable quarterback. I have a guy that can get it done. Why not just roster build with my early draft picks and, and get short picks and get impact guys that make my team better, yep. not well, just my offense? I wish that's what the Jets did instead of taking Zach Wilson where they didn't get the guy and yeah, then they panicked and out. took Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, more on this draft and how things have worked out with traded picks. And, you know, we were talking to Matt Jones, a former Florida running back, about the Gators playing in the Las Vegas Bowl and, He's on the XFL team, the Vipers here in Vegas. And I mentioned, you know, Anthony Richardson, maybe a guy who goes third, fourth, fifth round, may not get drafted. I think he's going to be one of the most debated guys because he's right now kind of a toolsy guy, not a whole lot of experience at 6'4", 232. I forgot uh, this league with toolsy guys, he's going to be probably overshot. Um, they actually have him as a top ten pick in CBS Sports. <laughs> and I'm like, he may not get drafted. Oh, my God. Oops. Oops. They have the uh, Panthers taking Anthony Richardson. Amazing. Nevada Sports Talk Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, both in uh, Reno and in Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Purdy going to throw for the end zone for McCaffrey. Makes the catch for a touchdown. What an adjustment there by Christian McCaffrey. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. That's funny. I was just paying uh, Colin Cowherd a compliment because I think his show is awesome. The angles he comes up with are dynamite. And uh, Ari jokingly said down our uh, talk line, he's like, our show, we do the best show. And I responded, I'm like, the show's gotten worse. This time's gone along. It blows. Um, and then we had a listener walk by and he's like, big fan, great show. I'm like. <laughs> All right, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, at this know. point, we'll take it. Well, I do like to – you've been a great addition today. Caleb's awesome um, and is a big fan of student ra- or student radio, of sports radio. And I, you're a student of radio as well. I know yeah. you listen intently. So awesome job today. Um, I, did, I wanted to give one more shout-out to Heard and what Fox did. I think ESPN National, great. Uh, but what Fox Sports Radio does and has done with their lineup has been tremendous. And – Cowherd with Jason McIntyre as his sidekick. Mm -hmm. I like Joy Taylor, but what happens sometimes when you have a strong lead and someone who wants to do their own show, the sidekick role kind of goes out the window, and Joy was bound for more of a full-time thing on TV. Uh, J-Mac has come in and plays the perfect younger gambling sidekick, kind of knows his role. I think that show's better than it's ever been. He's very comfortable as Robin. Yeah. And like it's it, it works for the show. Like it, it it's not it's not a knock on him. Like as far as what he could be, I'm not saying he's not good enough to be Batman ever. But I'm just, it, for that dynamic, and especially with the betting angle these days. Like I'm I will admit I'm not the the, the savviest guy when it talk, comes to betting talk. But to add that dynamic to that show, uh, where it's not just it's it's Coward's personality, it's Colin's personality, matched with the insight of a real 
damn better. Mm. I well, think. He, he's and a better. He's a square. Yeah. Uh, next time he's on the show, I will tell him that he's incredibly square, and <laughs> I don't think he wins. But but hey, that's all. That's all part of this. So so being being a contributor and maybe not being the star out front is not a bad thing. Which brings us to Jalen Hurts and what Micah Parsons said, which I don't think Micah Parsons said Hurts sucks. But he was quick to point out the team around Hertz is really good. Did he say anything wrong? No, and I it's actually I it's my take on Jalen Hurts. I and it's, there's nothing wrong with this being the take. There's nothing wrong with this being the case. He's right now he would sh- should be one or two for the MVP race. Him and Patrick Mahomes. I, with the season he's having, with the way that the Eagles are winning, there's no question in my mind that he's an MVP caliber player this year. That does not mean he is the reason he is the most important thing going on for the Eagles. It is a well-built team, and that is, that is what my whole point is. It's his credit, where he gets credit is he's seeing what he's supposed to see. He's making the plays he's supposed to make. When you watch the Eagles play, he's not doing anything miraculous. And if you listen to – this is talking about Michael Parsons' take on the Von Miller podcast. If you listen to that whole conversation – He's saying that, the, and others have said this, and they were talking about Joe Burrow on first take on ESPN this morning, where the reason we remember Patrick Mahomes is because he's doing special, outside of the line, like ridiculous things, throwing the ball, laying down in the air. Like, that, like that's the – no look, Pat. That's what Patrick Mahomes does against the, ha- the headlines, right? But what Jalen Hurts is doing is just making the plays that are supposed to happen happen. And if there are some plays that break down, he's athletic enough to do it himself. Most of the time, though, with that way, the way Shane Steichen has designed that offense, with the talent he has at receiver, he's thrown to guys that are open. He's throwing plays that are designed well and called efficiently with a defense that's on the other side handling their business. So the success comes. And that, that, that's the formula to winning. It's, it, you're supposed to do that. I will say, though, he, he does do special things because that's a team that runs the ball unlike anyone else in the league. They ran for 253 on the ground, and as you know, breaking down football. What happens when the quarterback can run? What do you have to do on defense? You have to count for all of them. And 11. then what happens to the running back? And then the running back gets more. Yep. So this, the thing about it is that's not special. It's just something that most people don't do traditionally. Quarterback should always be involved. 100%. If he can run, let him run. Let's get a strong betting angle. If he's got one from uh, Brad Powers on tonight's Thursday night football game and uh, some winning plays for the bowl games. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. All right, back here. Great stories during the break. Brad Powers is with us. Caleb Herring is here. Special co-host today, former UNLV football player. Brad Powers is in at Brad Powers Seven. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Kind of doing well. Thanks for having me. Crazy day, crazy day. You know, you're, you're a local guy. You uh, you watch what goes on in the Mountain West Conference, and I know you said that. Barry Odom was an upgrade over Marcus Arroyo. Please don't get on your moral high horse here. I don't think you're going to do that. I'm being sarcastic. Bobby Petrino is the OC. Thoughts? Yeah, another upgrade, uh, to say the least. I mean, UNLV's in this now. Uh, they legitimately want to be a, a player in, in the Mountain West at the G5 level. So it's not the same job as what it was. Just five years ago, with the you know the new practice facility and obviously playing in a world class facility as far as on game days, 
Uh, it's very attractive. And when you look at recruiting, even the, the last 10 years, there's three times as many three-star and higher prospects in the state of Nevada as what there was just 10 years ago. So, I mean, if you're a Rebels fan and uh, you've been, you know, taking your lumps for you know pretty much the entire history of the program, I think those days are starting to come to an end. So let's say Brad Powers is on the new UNLV staff and you're the O-line coach. You, you seem a bit miscast because you're not that big, uh, but you're the new O-line coach, right? And part of what you're pitching is not only Odom, but you're pitching Petrino. What do you tell offensive players where you're like, hey, man, you want to play for Bobby Petrino because? Well, I mean, he's one of the better play callers uh, in college football the last you know, 20 years. Uh, a lot of experience. I mean, obviously you're pitching uh, his success that he had with Lamar Jackson uh, with young players. So, uh, yeah, certainly. And you're also pitching the city. You're pitching the facilities. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, it's easy to pitch, uh, you know, Barry Odom and his success in, in the SEC. Look, I mean, you got guys that have been head coaches at the highest level. You got guys that have been head coaches at the SEC. Guys have been a head coach now at the NFL. And regardless of how it ended up working out in the end, you still love that experience. And it's still some experience that UNLV has not had, you know, probably at the head coaching spot since, you know, Johnny Robinson 20 years ago. You know, the other thing we've been talking about is UNLV's unwillingness to kind of be Vegas, which is kind of walk that line, be a little crazy. You know, there's been the, the fear, hey, we got to stay away from the, the Tark days. I mean, this is jumping in feet first, is it not? Does it, it, it sends a message nationally. Oh, it does. I mean, UNLV was getting some national publicity with both hires. So embrace Vegas. You're right. Uh, it is a little different. Uh, but, but not for everyone, but I'll tell you what, uh, if you do it right and do it well, uh, you can have a hell of a lot of fun here. It can be a different type of experience and unique type of experience than, than any other place in the country. You know who went away from their roots a little bit, I think, the last few years with uh, Satterfield is Louisville. And I know we hit on this game last week. What sort of movement is happening in this game at the uh, Fenway Bowl with uh, Louisville and Cincy, uh, where are you on this game with uh, Louisville laying the two? I think Louisville's the right side as far as the side. Uh, I think that the sharpest play has been the under, and we've seen it move four and a half points uh, from 44 and a half to 40. I mean, for a multitude of reasons. Number one, I mean, this is exhibition game at its finest. I mean, you got interim coaches on both sides, you got backup quarterbacks, you got multiple opt outs on both sides. And then it's played at a baseball park uh, in Boston, Massachusetts in the middle of December. So uh, the, I agree with the movement on the under. I'll put it that way, and I'll lean Louisville. So Brad tweeted out about uh, six, seven days ago, maybe it's a little longer, nine days ago, that the current state of college football and the bowl season and players opting out and people moving and transfer portal and coaches should be embraced because it gives us a chance to be in the loop, sometimes maybe ahead of the books. Uh, when it comes to information, there's so much information out there. So where are we right now in trying to judge the SMU game now four and a half against BYU? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been a big surprise that uh, Jaron Hall is likely not to play uh, for BYU. I think there's some disagreement with how much he's worth the point spread. I'm not a huge Jaron Hall fan. Uh, I don't think he's been healthy most of the season. So I, I mean, I I disagreed with the move at least when it was originally and when it got up to five and a half. I bet like uh, four now. I'd still lean BYU. Uh, I'm also on the under because SMU's you know lost one of their best weapons. Rice, an outstanding, maybe the best group of five wide receiver in the country. 
Uh, he's not playing. So let, if it comes down to line of scrimmage, I, I kind of like BYU here. And not only plus four, but I wouldn't be stunned if they won the game outright. Now, people in the audience, don't misunderstand what I'm asking here. Brad Powers is with us, Pro Sports Better. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com is where you can get bowl packages and uh, his picks throughout the year on lots of sports. College football is absolutely his specialty. Again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Are you on both sides of the Las Vegas Bowl? I am not on both sides of the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, I did not get to that early uh, number as far as Oregon State. I think it's an excellent question because there will be a few games and then some this bowl season because the lines have moved so much that, that I'll be on both sides. But right now my preference is Florida. Ten, Anything 10 or above, I'm on the Gators, and I get it. They have a lot of opt-outs. The quarterback's not going to play. I just have a really hard time, even at the meat of potatoes, laying double digits with a Pac-12 team against an SEC team. Uh, I, I actually like Florida's backup quarterback. Jack Miller, I think, is a better passing quarterback than Anthony Richardson. So, uh, because of that, I'm, uh, I'm going to take the Gators. And let's explain both sides. You could have Oregon State, if you got them early, minus 5.5. You now can bet back Florida plus 10, which means that you've got a 7 and other numbers in the middle. For a guy like you, say you're betting ten grand, right, whatever, 11000 on this game, um, and you have Oregon State coming out. On the bet back for the middle, what do you bet? How much of the original 11000 do you bet to try to get the middle? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It depends what's your number is what I'm going to ask. I mean, if your number is you know, Oregon State 13, you're not betting back. Uh, if your number's you know, 7, obviously you're going to play back a little bit more than if your number's 9. So, uh, I, you know, rule of thumb for me, a lot of times I, I go back maybe 30% at most. Okay. But it really all depends on my number and, and whether it's through key numbers uh, of Three, seven, ten, fourteen. In this case, you are dealing with some key numbers here. So, thirty percent at most. But a lot of times, uh, I would say this: don't get greedy. If you, if you got Oregon State minus five and a half in pocket, you know, be happy that you got five points uh, oh, yeah. and be done with it. Whether winner you win or lose, don't be greedy. We've got millions of millions of uh, new people who are playing same game parlays. So, don't be greedy. Um, all right, FCS. Uh, let's start looking ahead because we covered most of the uh, Saturday games. Last week, FCS, we've got South Dakota State, Montana State. Uh, Montana State's getting five and a half. Yeah, I'm going to leave Montana State. I mean, a little bit of hidden value on there uh, on them. Uh, they, they have the number one rush attack in the country, but they played the entire season, as far as the regular season, without their All-American running back. He's back for the playoffs. They just ripped off 150-plus yards last week. Uh, South Dakota State has the number one rush defense at the FCS level, but they just allowed 200 yards to a quarterback and I'm not sure if their rush defense is good as what the stats say. So because of that, I'm leaning Montana State here plus five and a half. Brad Powers with us here on Cofield and Company. Before we close out, we'll get you a lean or a like on Thursday night football. Uh, but first, a few more college football games. we got uh, Boise, Idaho hosting Eastern Michigan and San Jose. A dream trip for anyone. I like Boise, but um, San Jose is three and a half in this one. I'm going to lean Eastern Michigan. I, I think it's very important for them to get their first bowl win since 1987. Speaking of 1987, it's the, I mean, they won eight games in a regular season for the first time since 1987. So, I think generally speaking, they are happy to be playing in Boise, Idaho. I'm not sure that's the case for San Jose State. I'm also not sure what the heck happened to that football team down the stretch. I mean, six straight not covered by an average of 11 points per game. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it coincided right around the time that they unfortunately lost a player 
uh, you know, the, you know, he died, uh, and I just I think it might have fractured the locker room a little bit. So I'm going to lean Eastern Michigan. Uh, Boca, you've got Toledo laying five against Liberty. Uh, Liberty has a coaching change. So what's the situation with Liberty? Who's coaching in the game, and what do you think of uh, Toledo five? Yeah, so they got an interim coach. Generally speaking, I am against interim coaches in today's day and age because, I mean, the chances of you having multiple opt-outs are there. They have a few, not, nothing majorly significant, but uh, enough for me to only want to bet Toledo. And, look, if you're, you know, if there's something wrong with Liberty, don't believe me, look at their last game. They failed to cover the spread by 59 points against New Mexico State. 59 points. Laying 24, lost by 35. How bad is that in, re- in, in relation to a point spread? It's the worst performance in any college football game in the last four years. It's in the top ten worst performances in any college football game. We're talking 10,000-plus games in, since 1990. So Oof. something's wrong with the locker room. Give me Toledo. Last one on the college side, uh, Armed Forces Bowl. Air Force catching five and a half against Baylor. If I were to give some advice to Baylor defensively, cover the A-gap because uh, Air Force can run the ball up the middle. We found that out this year against UNLV. Are you laying these points? I am laying these points. The market disagrees with me here. Uh, i got to check and make sure, you know, Baylor's outstanding nose guard, Apuika, he's 350 pounds. Uh, if he's playing, I'm not sure that Air Force can have much success up the gut against Baylor. And I also trust Dave Aranda with three weeks to prep to have a, a good game, a solid game plan against the options. So I'll, I'll take the Bears. So it looks like Brock Purdy is going to get the start. Uh, if he makes it through the game, who the hell knows? But the Niners are back to three and a half now. It's even against the Seahawks. You got a lean or a like or the total, 42 and a half? Yeah, I'm going to take Seattle, especially if you can get that hook. Uh, it's been, you know, a lot of threes now popping back up. Uh, I just think short travel week, banged up quarterback. He's already the third string quarterback. And I think, you know, San Francisco's a little pricey because they've been on fire here as of late. So give me the Seahawks. Brad, you're the best. Let's uh, we'll catch up with you one more time before the uh, official holidays. You can do that next Thursday. Yep, can do it. I'll talk to you then. Awesome. There he is, Brad Powers at Brad Powers Seven. It goes fast. It goes fast. It goes fast. It's, and it's, Ka- Caleb mentioned uh, whatever it was a half an hour ago. You're like, ah, I'm still kind of learning about the sports gambling. I know it goes really fast, but his info's good, and I want to get out as much out there as possible. I imagine it's how people feel when I talk like quarterback stuff. Because I like it's like kind of a different language to me. Like listening to sports betting talk, it's 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 fascinating. I'm learning and I'm trying, but it's it's like it's it's something you got to be adept at. And I'm I'm behind the curve, behind the eight ball right now when it comes to that stuff. Caleb and I do a podcast each week. Uh, last week we uh, skipped. This week we're going to do it and uh, drop it tomorrow or Friday on uh, both UNLV football and basketball. Um, for basketball, bunch of conversations I had today, media sessions. I'll post those as well. You can find it on Twitter at UNLV All Access. What do you think happens tonight with the Niners and the Seahawks? Uh, I I think the Niners pull it out. I don't know uh, that it will be a big win. I think it'll be a tightly contested game. Uh, I just think that the Niners' defense is good enough to smother uh, any offense, really. But especially the Seahawks um, with Geno Smith, who's had a good season. But I just think that they're getting healthy at the right time leading up to the postseason. I just don't see the Niners' defense letting it slip here. And with Christian McCaffrey, you got enough, you know, on offense to help out any quarterback who's back there for him. So I'm taking the Niners if if I had to be a betting man for this one. I also think Geno is regressing to the mean. I'm not saying he's a terrible quarterback, but he – 
mean, we're looking at seven weeks into the season. PFF had him as the number one rated quarterback in the NFL. Probably, it, a, probably a little. Now, I'm not saying it was too high. That was how he was playing, but that yeah. was not going to continue forever. No, it wasn't. He, he he got off to a good start. Teams really didn't know who he would be as a starter. They didn't know who the Seahawks would be as a team with without Russell Wilson. So everybody's figuring it out now late in the season. And these games are starting to matter. It's t- tightening up. I don't think Geno's the guy that you want in these tight, you know, really meaningful games down the stretch. Really appreciate Caleb being in. Three hours. Went by pretty quick, right? Yeah, it did. It was fun. It was a blast. It's easy. It's easy. Angel, thank you. Thanks to Silver Sevens for hosting the show today. Thanks to Ari for steering the ship back at our Finley Toyota Studios. Get on down here. Great game on the way. Meaningful game on the way. 77-cent beers at Silver Sevens, Flamingo, and Paradise.